Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing artists and creatives working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. There we go. How's it going, Ryan? It's good. How are you? Fantastic. So, man. Good. I'm Tyler, by the way. Larry. Okay, I was, I was just about to ask, who's who? Because I'm on the podcast, it's all just like disembodied voices. <laughs> That's how we go, man. We, we don't do a lot of introdu- introductions. That's right. Yeah, no, I love that. That's actually really neat, actually. You guys just jump right in. And what was I was listening to that last one with Sarah, and she's like, uh, are you going to start recording? or No. <laughs> Uh Oh, we've been recording. Yeah, we just kind of go from the get go. That's awesome. All right. So thank you, you guys uh, for being here. It's um, kind of like, you know, this is just obviously like a crazy space, right? I'm going to look down here just so it's authentic. Yeah, yeah. Looking at cameras always like. I got to say, too, I'm I'm impressed with us because we just like we move our we, we record off a laptop in these like five dollar mics. But we move the laptop around so much and I'm looking at our screen now and I'm proud of how it's centered. It's set it up actually. very well right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. No props to us. All right, so this is, is crazy. crazy space. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, uh, you guys have jumped in at like you, one of my favorite artists, Aphoria, you guys like number one, you guys were doing um, the podcast there. So you guys jumped in. So I guess what I'd love to know, um, there's several aspects, several things, but uh, like what got you guys into this and what got you like motivated in this space? When did you, you know, start thinking about this? Whoever Larry, you want to take this one since you kind yeah. of were the one that got me going. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take it in like chronological order. So it was, um, so we do the podcast with um, Slime Sunday, Mike Paracella, who, who I grew up with. And um, uh, I love his I, work. He, he's the best man. And it's, uh, you know, just knowing him and obviously just being friends through life. It's um, and seeing his, progression and backstory behind like where he got to he um he explained nfts to me back in october 2020 and um it was one of those like nights you won't forget we were hanging with a bunch of friends late night at a brewery and then he was just kind of shooting the shit and you know just kind of fill me into what he was doing and then at that point um i don't know i always say like something just kind of made sense um to where first of all you're investing in him so started buying his work it was about November one week when Tyler got in um, and just kind of, you know, it, I don't know. It just made sense. We were buying art because we liked the art and it was affordable and we had, you know, some disposable income because we're not, you know, by any means people uh, dealing with, you know, large sums of cash to throw out there. So um, I don't know, Tyler, you could probably talk to this too, but just a level of conviction, just kind of, you know, seeing uh, that, you know, how things developed with Mike and, you know, it was pretty easy uh, just to to dive in head first. Mm. Yeah, well, we saw like <clears throat> I, we've been following Mike's work obviously for a really long time from just on Instagram, and like we knew like all the cool stuff he did with a lot of the clients that he had, and to see him be able to like sell work was a really cool way for us to give back to him. But also, I, I'm not gonna lie, I definitely saw a potential of an investment opportunity within NFTs, and um, you know maybe I didn't understand the gravity of the situation and how much money could actually have been made during that initial run. But like mm. we were, I, I was an idiot and I I've told this on the podcast about a hundred times, but I, I bought one of Mike's pieces for 40 bucks on Nifty gateway and sold it for $69, like two weeks later, because I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. And um, that was, that was a terrible decision. I think those <laughs> sold over like $20,000 a couple months later, but um, I think our mindsets moved a lot more towards like, just backing the artist, you know, like it's, they're finally getting their day in the sun, right? It's like, they've always been behind the scenes doing client work. And like, mm-hmm. this is a way for them to make the art that they want to make and not really have to take on as much outside work. If they don't want to. Yeah. That's why I'm really kind of excited to have you guys talking about this because you, it, it comes across like in your podcast, like that comes across, you know, you got just all Thank heart you. you're there. And, you know, it's about that love for, you know, the artist who you're right. I mean, like they had no other way. Um, and my entire audience is work for hire people, you know, and, and that was like, that's the world I was looking at. And I did it and I did it like, you know, God, 
12 years ago, I did that. And 12 year, years ago, I looked at that and I'm like, man, I don't know about this as a life. <laughs> uh, so Hard I started life. education and business and like, and classes back then were like my NFTs. Like that's how I survived and paid for things. And, um, and now it's come and it's like, well, do I have to do classes anymore? Like, can I actually make art? And that possibility, you know, like that's new. That's a brand new possibility. So why don't we start with like, and I'm sure you guys answer this or get this, but um, like, what is an NFT? And I've heard the explanation, like it's a receipt. I get it. But then you go to uh, Gary V. It's not a receipt. Now it's a ticket. And it's a ticket to utility or something else. So from your guys' perspective, you know, like maybe you could help me understand or explain this to people who are looking at it. Like what is NF, what is it? Yeah, I like. I'm excited if, to hear what you have if, to say. If, if we're giving you like, <laughs> I think the best way to like, if you're asked that question to answer it is just like, yeah, this is my interpretation, right? So yeah. the, there's so many avenues you can go down. And I think uh, ownership is the, main kind of is like the most prominent aspect of like investing, purchasing by however you want to put it of, of obtaining an NFT. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it might be kind of like wonky thinking to some, but just actually like accepting like the, the, you know, uh, digital side of where society could be going just in, in, right. from a general perspective um, value digitally uh, it feels like an easy concept to grasp in in you know an area that is only going to grow um so as far as like what an nft is to me at least it's like a store of um of ownership and you can kind of you know show that however however you'd like it could be for utility it could be for art um you know i i think if you're buying NFTs, you're doing it with some relative conviction. And I think at the bottom of it is the ownership aspect. Hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like there's definitely um, a word problem that we have, like in the industry where NFT is this blanket term that gets thrown around. And sometimes in a lot of the media, it's like very negative connotations when it comes to NFT, it's a scam, it's a pyramid scheme, et cetera. And sure, you could use the technology to do anything you want. I mean, technology, I mean, the internet, you can use that for terrible things, but obviously it has a good side as well. An NFT is just a way to prove that you own something on the blockchain. Everyone is can see it and see who owns that. And that can, right now, you can get digital art. You could get a collectible. You could get, um, you know, baseball card, any kind of, Thing that you're looking for in the real world if you wanted to have that stuff in the metaverse that's one use for it but the the part that that blows my mind is that these are smart contracts that you can basically build in any sort of utility that you want with them like you can go pure art hey you bought this nft for this content that i created and it's beautiful and that's all it needs to do or you can go you know, I bought this collectible that then gets me these airdrops and it gets me all this other free stuff or access to a party such as what Gary Vee's doing. And you can write these contracts up to do pretty much anything. And it's like, I, I can see people taking this in a hundred different directions in the future. Like, I don't think we've seen the end of what an NFT can do. Like, I think there's a lot of applications for them that right now digital art is like showing the, the doors to a lot of people. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that word ownership that you were talking about, Larry, that, that idea of ownership is probably something that's like it's under explored. Like, you know, what was it, what was possible when in civilization, civilization, civilization was built around like communal property. Right. And then what happened as soon as that concept of private property came in? What did that enable? you know, from that point forward. And then we're looking at this as an artist and, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I was, I remember what I'm 48 years old now. And I was like 20 sitting on my porch thinking if uh, Michelangelo was around, like he would not be sculpting in marble. Like that's, he was one of the most advanced people of his time. If he was alive, he would be, you know, he'd have built ZBrush or something like that. Right. Leonardo, come on. 
really, would he be an oil paint like that? 500 years dead at this point. You know, sorry, I love oil paint. So I have oil paintings behind me in the dark. Don't mean to piss anybody off, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's an old medium. Everybody knows. So what would he be doing? And now I'm like, man, the sky's open because is it all about, is the art all about the painting or now because of this concept of ownership, now I have a relationship and now it's really about this relationship. I think, so if, if uh, to put into context, like where our answers of like what an NFT come from, I think what you, what needs to be known too, is that we backed our way into this. Like we, like we learned things almost backwards where we then once we started buying the art, like Nifty Gateway was a good place for us to buy to onboard anyone because you can use your credit card and you can just buy it. Um, But understanding the technology behind it, like came secondary to us, like when we first got in. Um, So like understanding what, you know, a smart contract even is or how it ties to, you know, the Ethereum blockchain and then, you know, what other chains you can, you can put stuff on and sell stuff on. It's, it's like, understanding i feel like where and how is is really hard to grasp and it's really hard to like teach people um and and, and i think you can only like advise on telling people to, to dive in head first and if they really want to know there's so many layers so yeah as far as like i mean an nft stands for a non-fungible token i would have had no idea what those three words together could have meant until like i actually you know was explained how to explain like how to um, a, a wallet set up figure out how to move crypto figure out like how to buy ethereum um and uh there's just always a learning curve and yeah just like on a grand scale um you know kind of understanding that there's gonna be unknowns around every corner is kind of like in that you're gonna mess up at some point or just like get confused and it's all right to ask questions and there's a very communal you know, kind of nature to the space where you can ask and you can go find answers to your questions. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's like a roundabout way to just say that, like, we might not know what we're talking about, but (laughs) (laughs) does anybody in the space straight up do your own research? No. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah. I remember when I heard first heard NFT, man, I'm like, I haven't done mushrooms in like 30 years. What the (laughs) hell is this? What the fuck? Quite the rabbit hole, man. Yeah. And now it's getting great. Like there's Manifold. I've been reading up on Manifold and several of your your, uh, people have been using Manifold. So now you're making your own smart contracts. Um, You know, whatever that means, I'm still like learning (laughs) that shit. I think the best way to look at that is further decentralizing the artist, right? So if you're using a platforms contract, you're kind of um, bound by whatever rules they have on their platform, right? I was recently explained that Super Rare itself is a smart contract that then people mint from and what? You know, yeah. Yeah. That's mind blowing, Right. Yeah. So <laughs> um, same thing with all of those platforms, they all have their own contract, but if you build a manifold contract and work with that team, I, I'm assuming that you can build that contract to whatever standards you'd like, and then mint directly from your own website, mint from OpenSea, or we heard from Sarah Zucker that she actually gave her contract to Nifty Gateway and they can actually host other people's contracts at this point. So it's just more decentralization. It's cutting out the middleman, cutting out like, you know, if you're a musician, you know, you have the labels and, you know, all these other people that are taking cuts from everything. And we've seen from Blau, who's just releasing in music independently now and saying, hey, if you own this NFT, you can get a kickback of the royalties from the streams. And it's like, it's just disrupting how people do business for creators. It's a creator economy is how mm-hmm. I see it. That's amazing. And I think um, because on my side of it, like just the other day, uh, you guys know of Raf Grissetti, right? Definitely. Yes. So um, Raf and I have been in the same like uh, circle. Raf's, of course, like a superstar. You know, I just helped build some software, but like this guy like took it, you know, all the way. His sculptures, man. Oh, my God. And he's prolific. Like I, he's literally the only person in our space that works at that speed and that quality. There's, there is no one else. I know of at that level. Um, and uh, so just the other day, you know, he's in a, some, some kind of fight on like Twitter, not him, but somebody's throwing hate, you know, his way. Cause he's asking questions about NFT and they're like taking quotes out of context and saying, you know, something like he supports this or that it was all really highly negative. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, there's, you know, and these are artists that are saying this. It's interesting. 
yeah. So we're decentralizing, but there's also all this other conflict that you guys have probably been, you know, mindful of as well. Um, I think maybe revolving around PFPs. You know? Yeah, I, there's a lot of like artist on artist shade that's being thrown around the space, and it's kind of weird to see. It's like some some people that are pro NFT, you know, against people that are very, you know, not NFT. Um, and there's arguments to be made on both sides, right? And you don't have to do NFTs if you don't want to. I think it's just, if you have the mindset of an artist who wants to have um, a fan base or a collector base and like want to have a community built around your art of like-minded people who enjoy your art. And, you know, I think that's something that wasn't available to us before. I mean, one, art collecting is not something that, you know, people in middle-class America can go and participate in normally. And this allowed us to do that but it also opened the doors to just meeting these people who make the art and mm. just seeing how much we're all very similar. You know what I mean? And I think it just, it's an overall positive for everyone. Um, but if you don't want to do NFTs, I'm sure you have your reasons. People throw up um, environmental problems, which um, I don't know the like how bad it actually is, but I'm sure we do a thousand other things that are just as bad. So there's probably regulations that need to, be put in place but i can't fight that argument very well i don't know the facts there <laughs> yeah me either i've always thought like somebody who made that argument drove in a gas guzzling car to <laughs> right. their the guy, office their age three yeah, yeah we have billionaires going to the moon all the time like going out to space just yeah like, i mean what are we doing yeah so i'm thinking like <sighs> You know, there's all this like this this power and this um, this decentralizing is like the big word. You know, that's coming. You know, around. Um, but of course, companies are coming in because isn't it? It's hard to separate this from the money conversation, right? Yeah, definitely. I was gonna yeah. say I, I I think I saw a tweet that it was I don't know who or where it came from, but it was like artists used to dream of working with their favorite brands. Now their favorite brands dream of working with like their artists. Ooh. It's almost. Like Someone was a little bit flipped. Uh, yeah. yeah, like in the Fesk episode, Nissan reached out to him because they saw he was into NFTs and like wanted to learn more about it. And I yeah. thought that was such a cool like flip the script moment for like clients are now finding the artists instead of like the other way around. That's great. And you were talking about how, you know, now because you guys, you're collectors, right? And um, yeah, and so now, you know, you're collectors, but you're actually in this industry, in the thick of it you know, and moving things, meeting with people. Um, I mean, that's pretty cool. That's, it's, it's really cool. Man. Yeah. It's, it's been one year and it's like, it's unbelievable. People that we've met in like, you know, like multiple cities to meet just NFT people, like no problem. Yeah. Well, it's also been like a, um, I don't think we like, we didn't have our expectations for what, you know, on the podcast for what it, what it is, what it was. And, going forward, it's like, you know, we were doing it because we were enjoying it. And, you know, Mike, we we're basically talking to like Mike and his friends and, um, you know, it turned into kind of a vessel in, in like, we enjoy hearing like artist stories. And as a collector, I think it just kind of was natural for how, you know, we would have questions and would look for context if we're going to be like buying someone's art, which always just adds another layer of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, trust me, I'm, um, as introverted as they come, I couldn't imagine, you know, I mean, we are sitting in Tyler's basement and that's pretty much the only place we'll, it's where we've we'll been come, so. for like a year. Uh, I mean, we have no expectations. It's just like, <laughs> well, I mean, let's, we're going to do this anyway. So we might as well share what we learn with other people. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So you calculate, you see yourself as introverted then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like going out and it's, it's easy to meet some of these people though, because you, you already have some of what of a, you know, online identity in a way uh yeah. it is funny like introducing myself as like uh, my, my twitter handle sometimes and i'm just like <laughs> I, I don't i'm i'm larry just you can call me larry that's fine <laughs> that's great yeah so i was, in the sarah interview she was talking about power which is like really cool you know decentralizing the people's power and and as i was doing that i was like man i can't wait to talk to you guys because you know i used to have a gallery in laguna beach Right. And this is like one of the richest places on the planet. And I had a gallery there uh, with my wife and 
that is such a shit show of uh, of an industry and a job. Like, you know, I actually quit art for multiple years after that because this was in 2017, wow. I think. And like I, after that, I was just like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Like, it's just – you know, we talk about money, we talk about NFTs and, and ownership, but man, the art market's the most manipulated market on the planet. And there's no such thing as value there. That's the weird thing. I think kind of for us too, it's like, like we have no sense of the truth of like the real art world in a way. Like we learn it from the people that we talk to and yeah. like, it's just a testament to kind of the grind. Um, I just always thought of them as like a kind of a snooty place that we weren't allowed into. Yeah, like totally. that's, I mean, that's just how I thought of them, you know? Yeah, definitely. What is, but what's, now what's your, um, what's your experience yeah. with like curators and stuff? Like, do they like feel like they have like their head on straight and they're doing it for the right reasons or is it all money driven in a way? You mean in the, in the traditional art market? Yeah. In traditional art market, like when they're choosing these artists to have, are they just amplifying the same voices or like, do they really try hard to get a diverse set of people in a gallery or? Yeah, well, I'm no expert because I quit that and I was like disgusted by it. But um, as a couple of the different paths that were kind of explained to me and that we kind of walked through were, you know, um, number one, if you're an artist and you want to do this, there's a path for, you know, achieving these like $100,000 million paintings. And along that path, one of them is you have to have a museum show. So you're not going to get a museum show at the Met. You know, unless you've got like an investor and you're in New York and, you know, they collect and, and they specifically place you there to some extent. But you go to these smaller towns out of the way and you just get on their docket and you have to pay for your show. So you're literally paying to be in a museum show, just getting on the docket. And if you if you last that way for five years, next thing you know, you had a museum show. It's just up from there. But it's all gamified. Does it mean actual value, actual quality? Like you are an artist because no, it means you just played that game. And that's a game they controlled. They had the power. And now we have, you know, Sarah saying, you know, screw the power. I'm just going to do this my way. Yeah. I think that's something NFTs do bring along. I think that it kind of wipes out the old school curator, right? Because we all have curatorial power here, right? It's like, we retweet stuff on Twitter. Mm. We buy stuff, pump it up and say, look how much we like this. And I think if you look through anyone's Twitter feed or their wallet or whatever they own, they don't own that for, you know, no reason. You know, it's, it's good art for the most part. Um, you know, I think it gives the power back to the people in that way too, where collectors can say, this is good because we say so, not because someone with a, some high fine art degree said it was and they had played the game you know yeah so what is good art because isn't all nft just a smoke shop wasn't that what uh like i said <laughs> <laughs> i loved yeah, that I, that was great <laughs> i i really think for us for me in particular it, you just you know it when you see it right yeah. it's it's motifs that i see that speak to me in a way like one example right is uh kid eight the whole Gval project, all of his work is very street art, uh, hip hop vibes. And I think that resonates with me as like um, a kid growing up in the South. Like I was around everyone and all cultures. And I, that's the one that stuck with me the most. And I just, when you feel it, and sometimes I collect art purely because I like the artist. Like after yeah. we have a conversation with someone, I'm like, I really like this person more sometimes than I like the art. But I'm not going to buy a bad piece of art either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tyler, Tyler owns, I would probably say like maybe 20 times more the artwork that I own because he has expanded like to multiple markets to find these people on like, but like on at different price points. And I think that's kind of the, like, like the beauty of it is like, there's so much you can find. And if you're exploring, I feel like anyone has an eye for art in their own way. Um, and, you know, we, we learn and like get things like pick, like to look for, pick up on from, you know, just talking to, to people on the podcast. But um, I feel like everyone has their own sense to, you know, what, what they see as good art, you know, because someone could look at, 
you know, the Mona Lisa and just be like, that's a portrait. And someone could look at uh, the, like the banana taped to the wall and say, that's, that's brilliant. So I just love that it's up for interpretation. Everything's kind of, you know, go with what you feel. And we always have this kind of, you know, saying of buy what you like. And, and it's, it's just so simple and true. You know, sometimes you won't be disappointed either. Yeah. That way, if you buy what you like and it goes to zero, you still have the art. Like who cares what happened to the value part of it, you know? Right. And I think that's what's, what Larry was saying is like me uh, collecting on Tezos allowed me to get more art from different artists that I wouldn't be able to buy otherwise because they're not on ETH because maybe they, um, you know, the minting prices are too expensive for them or they don't think that their art is worth that much. And, you know, once you maybe grind on Tezos a little bit, like you're saying, play the game a little bit, which is a new fangled game that we're playing now. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you grind your way up from Tezos to ETH. And we've seen it with a lot of, a lot of artists. We've seen some ETH artists go back to Tezos because it's that much of like an underground art scene. It's very communal in a way and, and artists back artists there for sure. Mm, I think I, I, um, we interviewed Aria Harvey um, the other day and she ETH and then went to Tezos. And um, I think she goes back and forth. It is like an underground kind of deal over there. Yeah. And, and I'm going to advocate for it and as someone who hasn't bought anything on Tez, but like, if you're looking to start, start there because it, the, the, the like overhead costs of, of what it costs to, you know, for gas and, in in transferring and moving your stuff is so much cheaper on it's Tezos. Negligible. It's basically zero. So you have no, you, you have like, no risk in a way if you're if you're buying what you're like over there because you're not buying it to invest in if it if it goes up great if not whatever you you, you bought something for you know 20 bucks exactly it, it's crazy to see like the price difference you couldn't you couldn't buy something on eth for 20 bucks because it would like it would cost you more it, it than would, that to, <laughs> for the gas fees to either i mean there's been things that are 250 dollars and i would pay more in gas than the actual nft so like that's where Ethereum doesn't really mesh with our collecting style just because we don't have a lot of money to play with. Right. So mm-hmm. Nifty Gateway has been very helpful with that because obviously you can put stuff on a credit card, but obviously you also don't need crypto if you don't want to. Mm. So that actually is one of the questions I was going to ask is, you know, you guys, like, I love that uh, intro you have, by the way. Um, Slime the, Sunday's dad. Shout out. Is that what? Yeah, yeah. He's the man. He oh. broke that in like one night. He's uh he's been playing in a band called Chin Friction for decades. Oh my god. Awesome. So awesome. So it's awesome. Yes. So you guys have the PhDs in <laughs> NFT. We actually just recorded something the other day. Um and we were just recapping the past year. And I think yeah. I said that uh, we're probably at the bachelor degree at this point. Okay. <laughs> we got a couple more years to put in. <laughs> yeah, but NFTs are like in dog years. So you guys are already totally. like well 100%. past that. We're seven years in. Dog years is probably <laughs> the best way to to kind of capsule capsulize that. Yeah, it's been yes. a long year. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the questions was how somebody gets started, right? Because so if I'm an artist, which I am, uh, I want to get started. Tezos, you're saying definitely one of the things to explore because you're not dealing with the gas fee, all of that stuff. But then there's the questions of valuation, like you know, I want my my work to be worth something. Right. And, you know, so is that a fair play to go to Tezos or am I undervaluing myself? Yeah, I think that if you are regularly selling prints for good money, um, you know, selling physicals in any way where you're getting over a thousand bucks of physical, go ahead, go with ETH. If you have if you have dispendable income, go ahead and go with ETH. Um, If you're good at marketing yourself, I think ETH is probably a little bit more difficult to have people buy your work unless you're kind of more well known. Um, but for Tezos, it seems like it's easier to find a lot of communities and get in their discord and hang out. And just for me being in Tezos discords, I've bought so many other things that people just drop in and go, Hey, I've released this new piece. Can I get some feedback on it? And, you know, everyone in the discord might go and buy them out, you know, and that's just kind of how that community rolls. And I think if you were to build, um, your own discord and release stuff on Tezos, basically costs you nothing to set those two things up and then go out to other communities, talk to those artists, 
get some, you know, firsthand experience from them, or I guess that would be secondhand experience, but, um, and then that's how you meet collectors in other people's discords. You know, it's not poaching. Those collectors like us are willing to, you know, buy as many artists as we can. So it's, it's a fun way to meet people. You can meet them on Twitter, other people's discords. And then I, I, I would still say Tezos is probably a good place to go if you're not the best at marketing. Got it. If you just want to hit the streets and meet people, I think Tezos is a good way to make a lot of friends fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, community seems to be a big part of this, like every aspect. Um, it's I think quite the buzzword. A- yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the how they value blue chips, like how you determine a blue chip NFT. And so like there's this crazy equation where it's like your Twitter follower multiplied by your Discord and the That's growth. really in there? Oh wow. I that's gross. I would say that I think of blue chip artists as maybe people that have had extraordinary sales or have been around for a really long time. Um, in the NFT space, obviously you could be a blue chip traditional artist artist, and we might not even know um, who you are. You know what I mean? And that's um, a handicap that we have within the industry is like, if a, if a traditional artist comes in, we're really going to have to do some research because we don't know much about those um, artists. So um, yeah, blue chip is whatever you want it to mean. I mean, obviously those equations are out there because someone thinks that that's the way to calculate it, but I feel like that's also something you know when you see it. After you've been around for a year, you kind of know who the blue chip people are. Yeah, and I, th- I think you can see because all, all this stuff's going to be time stamped, right? Like, like mm-hmm. with the like, you know, minting dates and checking the ether scans, and you know, you'll see when stuff was minted in 2020, 2019, 2018, and and that stuff will always have some sort of intrinsic value of like just by when it was minted. But then also you look at like. Like you say, the I'd say like the early days, quote unquote, of Nifty Gateway, when you know there were pretty limited drops. People wouldn't do open editions; they would sell okay. They would do you know one of ones and stuff that would sell you know okay. But I think you'll you'll see a lot of those artists from that time frame if you go back and look at like the Nifty schedule for 2020, and you'll see like their primaries, and then you'll see the secondaries, and it doesn't necessarily kind of you know put a chip on you in a way, but I think you can people in history, people will be able to go back and be like, okay, this is the, like a window of time that I'm going to specifically look for art and then I'm going to sift through and, you know, let my eyes do the work from there. But um, I think in the grand scheme, when, when, you know, we kind of keep pushing forward, you're, you're going to see that, you know, time frame tw- pre 2020 of stuff that people will be seeking. Really? That's yeah. OG stuff. Yeah, like you see it right now in a way with like all the X copies um, and just kind of how his, he's got like, what, 160 one of ones on Super Rare. Um, the X copy? X copy is a, is an artist. Yeah. yeah okay. he, um, he's probably the- I got to look at it. Side, top five sales top, yeah, overall? Ooh. Top five overall sales, um, probably in like the history of Super Rare and Pac and some others, I would probably say. but. Um, he's got a ton, a ton of content, but he's been minting forever. So it's, it's really cool to go back and see like this, the, the chain of his sales, because mm-hmm. you'll see like, you know, 20, 2018 minted and bought for, you know, 0.8 ETH, which was, I don't know, $30, uh, $30 or like, or like 1.2 ETH, $110. And then it's selling for, you know, 4 million, you, you could like you could, crazy. His work goes for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there's, there's almost 200 pieces of individual pieces on super. Wow. Um, and, and if you just look at like kind of those timestamps and where you're seeing it in like a short with like a condensed window, I think when you step back, maybe, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, people will, you know, those frames will kind of be still in focus, but X copy. Yeah. Perfect early. example. Cause we're still early. You know, still early. Yeah, that's we the- are. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this, and I can imagine the, um, I can imagine like the future art historians being like, okay, so he took uh, who is Gustav Klimt's student? Oh my god, I forgot. He's like my favorite draftsman. Oh, I have to find this. I just this is actually in my anatomy class. He's one of the people I teach. Gustav Klimt student. There we go. That's our guy. Uh, Egon Scheele. So 
um, I can share with you my screen. You know, like you, I'm starting to see, you know, this, you know, it's just so dynamic what's happening, I think. Um, I forget which screen I'm sharing. You seeing that? Yeah, yep. there we go. Yeah. All right. So like, you know, you see this, that's, uh, I think this is actually um, Gustav's portrait of him. I'm not sure if that's Egon. Egon. Uh, uh, not that guy. Yeah. So you get these like crazy expressionist stuff and then that moves through and now you get, you know, X copy coming in yeah. and, you know, you can start to see some of it, obviously, you know, there's the streets in it now. So yeah. Yeah, like those, like like of that face up there, that like uh, I think that was called his Grifters Project, where yeah. um, it was kind of his take on PFPs, where you know you got to get on the list, you got to somehow mm. get on. The list. Um, Not a fan. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's tough. But like his, uh, he's had some huge recent secondary sales. I think it, it, if you ever have time to just go look at his catalog, look at recent sales, and then just click the the um, his sale history. You'll just scroll down. How do bottom. I do that? If I go. So go to um, Super Air. Yes, you can probably just Google X copy Super Air and it'll come up. That's probably best. Because I think, you know, let me turn off CoinBoy and that. Okay. Yep. So if you just click on the 141, click on creations. Yep. And then you can sort by oldest. It allows you to do that. Or recent sales or something like that. Yeah, I like oldest. Let's show them one of these ones from okay. way back. Yeah. Take a you can click on any of the, the third one. Do the third one. Yeah. I think this one just sold for a boatload <laughs> of money. Yeah. What the? What does that say the last sale price was? $3,800,000. <laughs> now scroll the bottom. You'll see the history of the sales. Ah, here we go. This is the part I'm. Oh, this is going to be depressing for whoever. <laughs> yeah, imagine being the first guy. Oh, uh, flex. Flex. <laughs> Did not flex. That was not good. So I think it's had more time to change hands more often, and I think we'll see that in the NFT. You know what I mean? Like, I think they will uh, change hands it. more often. The best part it's about this, game. too. Yeah, yeah, the best part about this too is like Super Rare set their, themselves up to where they're like a governing body and are now like those collectors, anyone that that held that piece will get a percentage of the sale. So the collector and the artist will both collect a royalty from a secondary sale. Even these past collectors or is that done? Yep, everybody. The, the, all That's only for certain piece. artists, right? That's for, it's not for everyone, is it? I thought it was for everyone. Maybe it is. Yeah. But did you hear about the rare token that they dropped to users of the platform? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's another way of doing governance. I believe you can use those tokens to vote on, you know, different things within uh, like the direction of the company, I guess. Okay. So I've also been learning about like uh, DAOs and, you know, all of that stuff. So is there it's so run just like that. It's okay. just, and, it, and we don't really know how a DAO works. We know it's a decentralized autonomous organization. Yeah. And we kind of run our collector group. It's us two and one other guy, Naples Rusk. And we're basically, I mean, we're decentralized in a way. We're not autonomous. We just talk about what we want to collect and when we want to sell stuff if we own it together, right? This allows you to set that up electronically where I guess the DAO holds the NFTs and then um, everyone gets to vote and there's a signatory on, you know, finalizing whatever the vote is. And then it sells and splits the profits between all the members of the DAO or work something like that. I would imagine. That's crazy. That's when it becomes hard to separate NFT from money. Cause it's oh, just yeah. like, I don't think okay. you can anymore. Well, so that's the whole thing. It's a yeah. non fungible token and there that's literally making it fungible. So it's cutting it up into pieces and make, basically fractionalizing it between a group of collectors. Hmm. So either way, we're really dealing with this idea of equity and equality in an, in a freaking fascinating way, you know, because yeah. you know you can be sure Egon didn't have like he did prints that you own those prints and some dumbass art dealer owned you know rights to everything. Um, but now exactly. this, and exactly. then the people who helped move it forward are also part of that conversation. That's freaking. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is where it's like, thank you for showing me this, by the way, this is where 
you know, this whole conversation of NFT, I think people just miss it because yeah, so many, so many people in my crowd, they're just like NFT, it's like a money grab. And I'm like, well, nothing wrong with that, but you know. <laughs> so I do hear that a lot. And, and I've heard it from a friend of ours recently who is a traditional artist and her whole deal about it was that art is this saint. It's like a sanctimonious thing. Yeah. It's very romantic. And like, yeah. They think that, you know, this, the infusion of money into this kind of makes it so dirty. And my only rebuttal to her was like, you know, the starving artist is a real thing. And maybe you do get great art out of that state that you have to be in. But I would like to live in a world where, you know, we can pay the artists to do what they're best at. And that's make art, push culture forward and and make new things and be creative Hmm. rather than, you know, just make a movie for Pixar or a commercial for Apple. You know, it's like, if, if you have to make money and live your life anyways, you might as well be doing it, making art. And that's, yeah. that's kind of like how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm grateful to have this conversation with you guys. Cause like I said, I train people for the production jobs, you know, and, and I, I believe in those jobs that it's like, that's, I'm, I make more money than my dad. I made more money than my dad as soon as I started doing this. Right. So, you know, that's great. That's evolution. You know, but now I'm looking at this other pathway too, and I'm like, this needs to be an option. I mean, it is an option right now. And you, you know, can do so, both. We know yeah. a lot of people that do both. That's you true. Yeah. You have to be a very good manager of your time because um, NFT is is a time suck. And, and just mm-hmm. diving into the education part is, I would say, very helpful. If you can focus on NFTs maybe for two months straight and find out as much as you can and then kind of try to balance it. I but think exactly, I think yeah. a good example too of of one of I would consider our friends David Pollitt. Um, he is you know longtime traditional artist, just uh-huh. in terms of being in the physical space. So, you know we've we've talked to him a few times, uh, and he's had some success in the NFT space, and still maintains his you know print business. Yeah, and- print business and, and kind of still functions in that manner. Um, uh-huh. And it was cool to talk to him because he's you know the same way in terms of being curious and just tr- looking for perspective. Um, but yeah, I think there's plenty of examples out there uh, of people that find a nice balance. I love yeah, still, work. still doing client stuff, you know, and doing yeah. NFTs or like slime has prints coming out tomorrow. You know, he's still releasing prints and stuff, which is really cool. Cause I, we haven't seen one in a while. So I'm excited to try to get one. <laughs> so um, what is, if you can, what's like your favorite work of art that you have? Oh. I last stand just for the whole story behind it. That's the one I sold for $69. And then uh, uh, me, me, Larry and Naples uh, split one three ways a couple months back. Uh, so <laughs> I own a third of that. And uh, I just think it's such an iconic piece of where we were in history when like NFT started and it kind of kicked off my art collecting journey. So I think I'd have to go with that one just for the simple answer. Yeah. Uh, there's a sense of um, time capsulation that that piece and in that collection holds I, I i bought his one of one to and to support him during that which is uh clout machine which is in the running i'm thinking of using it right now but the one that holds a soft spot for me is i i bought one of aphorius pieces back in, in 2020 uh ivy and um that's got some sentimental value for me it's um it's been on an, it's like I bought it on super rare. He's thrown it on some, uh, on a, a hoodie collection and mm-hmm. um, it's been on a wild ride. So it's like, I think, uh, I think of that as kind of my intro in a way, but um, yeah, man, there's a lot. I, 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 I think of like Mike in, in blouse collaborations initially, like that, that was the first NFT I bought, which was uh a full collection the array collection that was october 2020 and just seeing like where music's going it's hard to like we think we keep buying art because like we know like what we like and what we want to support so um and that's it it's It's hard to narrow it it's just pumping money into these artists so they can create more do crazier projects you know it's like i like what you're doing now here's my money do something crazier you know Mm. like (laughs) keep it going i love it I love seeing how far people can push the envelope. Well, what's next for you guys? So you've got that's nifty. You got you're on uh, 53 episodes. I forgot. Yeah, that sounds about right. Close to more than one a week. We're not at the year mark yet. Yeah, we, we like we said before. Like expectation for us was just to continue to have you know 
conversations with artists and, and stay kind of up to date in the space. And um, that's the plan for now. That's I mean, the plan still, you know, get one out a week, try to get one out for Mondays and, and just kind of keep learning. I, I, I mean, we've got some ideas that I, I don't think that there's any, like we're, we, I don't think we feel rushed in any way to enter. Like we're in the NFT space in a way, in our own way. I think there's so many mediums between, you know, what we saw Clubhouse be and Twitter spaces now and kind of the live aspect. And I, I we like podcasts more. If it, you call us an old man, we're boomers. It, it also fits to our normie job. So yeah, our, our nine to fivers, you know, we can we jump on a Zoom call at six o'clock and Tyler can chop it up and we'll get it out by Monday. So there's definitely That's a way to monetize this with nfts and we just want to do it the right way i yeah. think after seeing and talking to a lot of artists there's a way to enter the space and we want to be as mindful as possible before we mint anything on the blockchain and it, it will have something to do with the podcast but what form that takes and what content we would like to show in a historical manner um you know probably is it's a while away we would just want to continue creating content sharing knowledge basically yeah that's you know one of the things i really love about this space is like it's it's a value first space right, right. i mean I, of course there is the there's the grab there's there's all that stuff people are talking about the money grab and all of that but uh, just you know, dodge those otherwise yeah, you're good totally right but like everybody i've met and i talked to and the people i know from from my industry coming into this like everybody's on a value mission they're just like give 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 help 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 it's all heart 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 and um so along those lines like you know because uh, i also know people that are just like what the fuck like like so for example if i was to do an nft um there'd be people that'd be like oh he's just in it for the money or you know something like that right so i'm looking and i'm like i got to be mindful cuz i don't need the money but i want to understand this so what would you guys say to you know these artists who are like on the fence um about talk to this? artists reach yeah. out to artists that have dabbled see what their entry was to see if they have any advice for like what platforms to go to if you are going the ethereum route there's a lot of places that you can get into like foundation mm -hmm. or rarible mm -hmm. um you know there's probably a long waiting list to get on super rare and nifty gateway at this point but if you have the clout most definitely would look at your your submission you know so it's worth going out and trying to get on a major platform if you can if you feel like you're at that point in your career um any other advice larry yeah. i mean i just talking to people i one thing i've noticed in, that i'm i was surprised by but was how like open everyone's dms were to where like oh. you can ask anyone almost anything and it, it you know i think artists now in a way like that are probably like you know, pretty relevant in the NFT space. I think that they're looking to talk to more or respond to more people and less like businesses or corporations. Um, that was a surprise for me. Like when we can like, you know, we can just DM someone and ask if they want to, you know, jump on the podcast sometime and like, oh shit. They we thought we were going like, to yeah. shut down like <laughs> left and right. There was yeah. no problem at all. People were like, hell yeah. Yeah. I think anyone with that hesitation should just, should just, uh, kind of lurk in a way, you know, um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have expected to have a Twitter account, you know, a couple of years ago. And now I'm just kind of using it as a vessel to follow, you know, kind of where things are going, what people are doing and kind of stay up to date. So, um, yeah, ask, ask for, ask artists. And I would say just don't hesitate to reach out because most people are pretty receptive to it. That's awesome. You see it too, like, like, like they, like, I think of like all ships, right. Um, it's a, like a, I don't even know, is it a company or what, what, what's he considered? Yeah. It's a, it's <laughs> a brand almost. It's like, a, I hate to say community, but it's yeah. Dave Krugman's uh, baby. All yeah, ships. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a community that's just based off of, you know, um, uh, artists highlighting artists and people kind of putting someone else first. Um, mm. I think it's, I don't know the website and I would love to all ships.com all ships.com go give Twitter that a too. Yeah. 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 It's on Twitter. Yep. I, I don't know if it's just photography based, but it seems like a good place where there are many, um, uh, resources for artists that are looking to get into the space can check out all ships for sure. Yep. And those guys would be great to reach out to and get their like feel on the space. Yeah, he he. We talked to him. He was like, "Oh yeah, someone was looking for like a, uh, you know, this specific artist set." I was like, "Here's 
here's five Twitter profiles. That's right. Like it's you. not just photography. That's yeah. right. They were doing animation, 3D. He can link people up with whatever they were looking for. Yeah, which also goes just back to the general theme of like trying to just be mindful and be involved in the community however you can. And there's just so many avenues. And I think it takes like recommendation and, you know, trusting the information you're getting to. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, I know we're under a timeline. You guys got to run. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time, man. Yeah, yeah right. Brian, this was appreciate it. This was great. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think we came into it. The tables have been turned. Yeah. We, we've never been interviewed before. So this is, Oh fun. really? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys are like, you're amazing podcasters. Like, I mean, you set people at ease. These things just flow. Like I was going to ask you about how you guys do all that, but you know, you just, you guys are amazing at that. Great job. Oh, thanks, man. It's, appreciate it's, it. It's uh, just, sitting here and pretending like you're right here in this chair we literally have a box with my laptop on it in a chair and it's just you know we're hanging out yeah you know, larry's got yeah. a sub over here he's gonna try to eat and uh that's it dude we're just in my basement chilling and we are gonna start re-releasing uh, re the episodes when they hit their like like their birthdays when yeah. they hit the one year mark so just keep an eye out we'll, we'll re-release our content and you know just kind of see what those conversations were yeah where were we a now. year ago you know still in the awesome basement. <laughs> well lots of luck to you guys man just Thanks, keep Ryan. up the amazing work appreciate it we'll give you a listen thanks all right take care bye all right thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this and i want to ask just two things of you number one make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on apple uh, stitcher spotify really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do number two make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.